This is Bucket Talk, a weekly podcast for people who work in the trades and construction that aren't just trying to survive, but have the ambition and desire to thrive. The opportunity in the trades and construction is absolutely ridiculous right now. So if you're hungry, it's time to eat. We discuss what it takes to rise from the bottom to the top with people who are well on their way and roll up their sleeves every single day. This is Jeremy and Eric here with Bucket Talk, powered by Brunt. This week, we have Santos Vasquez of I Save Bees. But before we jump in, Eric, what's going on? Not much, not much. This weekend, after 35 years on this earth, finally got a truck for the company. I've never had one personally, never really driven one other than some of my buddies. Been driving a Tahoe, which is good for the family, but, you know, we're in a rugged and tumbled industry yeah, and uh, needed to get rid of the soccer mom vehicle and, and go with a truck. So for all you Ford or Chevy folks out there, whether you're Ford or Chevy and bow ties or blue badges, I went with GMC. So got a GMC AT4 and it's super pumped. We already starting to put it to work next week, starting to tow some stuff to the trade school we partner with and yeah. Getting some yeah. use out of it. And Jeremy knows more about trucks than anyone. So he's going to help me help us and help me get it up to snuff. Yep. First thing about trucks is your wife takes it. So <laughs> my, I got a farm and my wife took my truck. So she uses it on a daily basis. But speaking of the farm, we uh, we have pregnant goats. It's the first time, you know, we got the goats last year. We were going to breed them and potentially sell them. And, well, they're pregnant and... That's going to be a new chapter in our life, birthing baby goats and, you know, getting them raised and fed. And then uh, we're also looking at meat chickens, so meat birds this year. Right now we have layers, but now we're going to get into potentially doing birds. So um, How many? If you ask Jenny, we're going to be like 50, 60. If you ask me, I want to do like one. Two. <laughs> so, so like one Sunday barbecue and then uh, for all the work. Yeah, that one beer can chicken. But yeah, no, I, I mean, we're full with tasks up there, but I guess what's You guys one keep more? piling them on. <laughs> exactly. Glutton for punishment. Like, that's it. That's it. I mean, living the farm life, somebody said to me, you know how much work it is? And I was like, yeah, no, I know how much work it is. But I guess I didn't realize how much work it is because it's a lot of work. More work than I've ever been used to. But hey, it is what it is. Yep. All right, let's dig in. Today we're here with Santos Vasquez. He is a beekeeper by trade, correct? Uh, yes, 18 years now. And your Instagram handle is I Save Bees. Correct. Awesome. Well, welcome, and I'm glad you're on the podcast with us, and we want to kind of get into the whole beekeeping, bee relocation this is, Whatever. New, this is a new one for me. I'm excited for this. I, you know, yeah. this is such a, such a different trade. Well, I'm happy to be with you guys. Sean White, my business partner, not the guy with the red hair, isn't able to be here with us today, but I'll fill you guys in on what we do. Awesome. Awesome. All right, so Jeremy. Going, so how did it start? Going way back, how did you get into the wide world of beekeeping? So for me, my ex-father-in-law had been a beekeeper forever. His dad before him, 52 years experience. My ex-father-in-law was running shorthanded, so he needed some help. And I <laughs> I felt obligated to help him. You know, I was married to his daughter at the time. I put in my two weeks, didn't know a lick about bees. First day out, fell in love, didn't want to do anything else for the rest of my life. 
and it's not like this isn't scary for you because like being no. surrounded by bees is like insane. <laughs> it's actually my serenity, man. I love it. The more bees, the better for me. You learned all your training and everything on the job. It just came naturally. Yeah. Yep. I, uh, like I said, I didn't know a single thing about bees. I learned on the job. And that's pretty much the way you have to learn. You got to stick your hand in a beehive. Otherwise, you're not going to know what the bees need. And, and uh, you go from there. So there's, I don't know anything about this other than I'm sure there's a honey side of the business. There's like a relocation part of the business. There's, you know, cities and towns. Like, give us the rundown on what your industry is uh, about. So basically, there's three parts. You can either be, do the bee removal, you can do the honey part of it where you're you're harvesting the honey, and then there's also a pollination part where you're using your bees to pollinate almonds, watermelons, all that good stuff. So three parts. I actually am two parts. I do the live bee removal and relocation. I'm hired by a bunch of the cities here, HOAs, and I go out and remove their bees and relocate them to a place where they can live on and away from people. And then I also harvest the honey through harvest season, which is till end of March to September. You get the best honey flow here in Arizona. So do all the bees get relocated to the same area? Is it a property that you have or do you work with local um, I, farmers? I work with a few farmers. I actually lease land from Game and Fish here in Arizona. They're protected from outside harm, you know, any kind of pesticides. So, and those are under lock and key. And then going forward and with purchasing my ex-father-in-law's hives, once he's had left, when he approached me about buying them out, I got grandfathered into all his locations. So we have plenty of places to put our bees. After we remove these hives from unwanted places, we have a staging yard where we're going to watch their temperament and then checking for any kind of diseases, mites is a big problem sometimes. So, And then from there, after they're good and strong, we'll move them to their permanent places where they're going to make honey for us. So obviously there's a queen bee in the hive. You have to take the queen out. And then I would assume the hive then follows. Yeah, so the queen has her own pheromone. The bees fan that pheromone and tell all the other bees where to go. So when we're doing a removal, the main part of removing that hive is to find that queen. Once you get her in, we put her in a queen clip. You'll have to watch a couple of our videos to, <laughs> to find out what a queen clip is, but it looks like a hair clip. And she's trapped in there. So um, when we put that clip into one of our boxes, they're going to fan her pheromone and work their way into the box. Then we return that night. That way all the bees are relocated into that box. On top of that, we take any of the brood, which is the babies, and we strap that into empty frames with rubber bands. That also draws the bees in. So we call that moving their furniture. So they get a new polished home and, and we get to take them away and where they're going to be able to go on living somewhere else instead of being exterminated. Now, how close can a hive be located to another hive? Right next to each other. Like I said, each queen has their own pheromones. So those bees going out to forage for honey know exactly where to come back to. It's repetition too. Once they take that orientation flight, they're going to figure out where they're going. And then it's repetitive from there and they know exactly where to go back. Oh, so you can relocate them right to pretty much the same location as previous hives and, and utilize uh, all that space. If you're going to move a hive, it needs yeah. to be at least a mile away because 
they fly anywhere from a mile to six miles of forage for food. So within that six miles, it's a possibility that they can um, lose track of where they are now as opposed to where they were. So you want to kind of dislocate them if you're moving a hive. Oh, okay, okay. Wow, wow. So where do you picture this career going? Is there Um, more employees? I kind of want to get into the pollination game, but right now... Um, I'm strictly honey. We sell the honey to make a living. But some of the pollination that hurts your bees as far as having to be on a truck for a few days. And sometimes the farmers will spray a fungicide while they're there. So it can hurt them also. So getting the numbers up is where I want to go now. We roughly run about 400 to 450 hives. If I was in the thousands, then I would definitely explore some pollination. And, And how does that work? So you bring them to a location. Then they do their pollination, then you bring them back or bring them to another location. And what exactly are they doing? Like you mentioned watermelons and stuff. So the almonds need the bees to pollinate. Otherwise, we wouldn't have any almonds. They're cross-pollinating for you. Got Um, it. So the big thing nowadays is monocropping, where you have one crop for miles on end. And that's all the bees are there for, to uh, pollinate these trees or whatever needs pollinated. So you're f- kind of forcing them to only pollinate what you have for miles and miles. And then it's on to the next crop if you're doing pollination. Wow. wow. That's incredible. Well, it's pretty cool because I've seen the uh, tractor trailers that they travel with. Yeah. Yep. To, to do all that, that's pretty, that's pretty intense. There's uh there's big money in pollination. They're paying upwards in the two hundred to two hundred and fifty dollars a hive. So you, wow. you put about five hundred of those on a truck. It's <laughs> uh it can be some good money. Wow. Yeah. So would you increase manpower? Would it be just something that you and your business partner would do? Well, right now we can handle what we have, but if we're going to if we're going to increase our hive count, I'd like to be in the 1,000 to 1,500 range within the next few years. Yeah, we'll need to hire somebody. <laughs> uh. <laughs> What's your biggest hive? Because I've seen like them remove hives as big as like a Volkswagen Beetle. And you can go down a YouTube hole on beehives. But what's the biggest or even, even the weirdest place that you've found them? So the biggest removal that I've done, it was in a shed. It was uh, seven by seven. So we cut out a six by six, but it was still an arm's length to remove the rest of the honey that was in there. And that, that was a pretty big one. Um, as far as strangest place, this guy had had a hive move into a decorative metal fixture. It was a, a pig, actually. It was a decorative metal pig and the bees had moved in there. And the guy had just built a box around this thing to keep the bees and try to get some honey out of it. So yeah. when, we, when we opened this thing up, you know, all we saw was the comb hanging there. But when we got into it, we found this pig <laughs> that where they started. So that was, <laughs> But as far as harvesting honey, where I've already established the hive, 100,000 to 300,000 bees is going to produce you some good honey every month. Wow. Wow. This is insane. Bees are fascinating. I've heard that the world would not exist without bees. And, you know, up on our farm, we see bees all the time. I'm actually thinking about starting our own hive. We were an equestrian farm. 
by trade, but we wanted to get into vegetables and fruits and all that stuff. So it would be interesting to kind of keep that ecology. But yeah, I mean, where would I start if I was to start my own beehive? First, I would tell you to gain some knowledge, you know, watch some YouTube videos. Like I said in the beginning, you're not going to actually know what to do until you actually stick your hand in a beehive. Um, right. You can watch as many videos as you want, but until you actually experience that, you're not going to know. Then that's when you put your your YouTube to work. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we'll get the big beekeeper suit. You're going to see me out here with that. Well, if you watch some of our videos, we're pretty crazy. So most of the times we're not. <laughs> right. So how do you go about starting? Just high level quick um, you can buy packaged bees you buy bees from some of these bigger companies that sell you know a couple of pounds of bees and give you a queen you're going to need the equipment to fill that or to house those bees but you can obviously start little you know a hobby can very well turn into something you want to do for the rest of your life so you got to be careful there <laughs> yeah yeah that's insane how would somebody get into your line of work. I mean, the trade schools really don't have beekeeping. Well, with me, well, I fell into it because my ex-father-in-law, but you want a mentor. You want someone to mentor you. There's a lot of beekeeping groups that you can join just to get the basis. And then they can maybe even sell you your first set of bees within that beekeeping group. Does it seem like there's a growing interest in? Here in Arizona, Yes. The more bees, the the merrier, you know. I'm not worried about the bigger guy or the little guy. You know, I, I'm just doing me. Yeah, no, I know. It's just it's just interesting because it's like you wonder if people even know behind the scenes what beekeeping is all about, that you can make a living at it and that it is a true trade. And, you know, it's not like being advertised by companies like, here, come join our beekeeping school. So I was just seeing what the interest is among younger people. I don't think the younger generations are into much, first of all. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> yeah, these uh, the older generations, they're getting, uh, they're, they're pushing their 80s and their kids don't want to take over, which is pretty yeah. weird. You're getting something put in your lap that is pretty valuable. But yeah, there's awareness out there, the importance of bees. And I think it's catching on that, you know, you can have a hive in your backyard and kind of help pollinate your fruits and vegetables. But like I said, I mean, a hobby can quickly turn into two, three hives. And now you have to find locations to put those. That's the biggest finding places where you can keep your bees away from the public. A lot of land is getting chewed up by housing here in Arizona. So we're having to go further west. Well, is that like a double-edged sword too? So like you see with snakes down in Florida that you know, people get these ball pythons and boas or whatever, and all of a sudden they become too big and unmanageable. So then they just release them into the wild instead of doing the right thing and trying to find a home for that reptile or animal snake, whatever you want to call it. Mm -hmm. Is it the same with, with bees is that you've seen people do it as a hobby, but then it's grown out of control. And then now you have to come in and take over and, and relocate. Well, some people that start off thinking, yeah, it's a fun, cool idea. And then now your hive is way too big and it's gotten aggressive because you weren't able to maintain it or requeen it. So yeah, there is that aspect of it too. Okay. That's good to know. I mean, that's a huge takeaway for for somebody, you know, just looking to get in, you know, do their part of the ecosystem, think they're helping out, i.e. myself. 
And, <laughs> and then next thing you know, you got a, a massive swarm above your head. So I gotta, yeah. that would happen most definitely. Your your hive gets too big for its home and it's going to split off so that that colony can survive and that other half is going to go and, and start somewhere else. Okay. No, uh, so tell so tell me the question that's been bothering me. How the heck do you get over the hump of being scared of the bees so that they sting you to stick in your hand and hive not caring? And that's why the bees don't because they don't sense fear or whatever. Like how how's that? I well, to be honest, I've never had the fear. I, I didn't even know really what I was getting into either. All stings hurt, to tell you the truth. You know, some hurt worse than others, but as you go and you progress, you're it's something you expect. I, I expect to be stung if I'm putting my hand in a hive with no gloves on. So I think the anticipation or the you already knowing it's it's bound to happen. So when I do get stung, I can easily swipe my pants, pull out the stinger, and I continue doing what I'm doing. But they all hurt. I mean, I, I'm not going to lie. <laughs> to this day, you still get stung on a regular basis. What did I, I get? I think I got stung in the cheek today, but I don't swell up anymore. When I first started, my hands would get pretty puffy, but now I can get stung in the face and the nose. I mean, it hurts, yeah, but I don't get the <laughs> those pictures that you see on on Instagram or, or, or Facebook where someone's eyes like looks like they got hit by Tyson. Yeah, I don't. Yep, yep, yep. So you make your own honey, correct? Correct. Yeah. All well, right. Well, live- <laughs> well, yeah, exactly. But you bottle, you package. Yeah. And, so and we're, you, and you- we're involved from start to finish, from removing a hive, maintaining the hive, harvesting the honey, bottling it, labeling it, being at farmer's markets, selling it to you right in front of you. We want to be authentic as possible. And that's why we are so transparent. On Instagram, on TikTok, we we just want you to know where your honey's coming from, that you get getting the best quality product, and that we are true beekeepers. Is there any process the honey has to go through, or right off the comb, it's it's good to go? If you want to eat it right off the comb, you can eat it like that. There, I mean, honey is antibacterial, antifungal, so nothing can live in it. And a lot of people ask for the honeycomb. It's something that's not touched by man. So they want the most purest form of honey. Hmm. And, and then tell me a little bit about, I've heard a little bit about from, from some friends who are pretty obsessed with your world. I mean, you eat local honey and it helps you with your allergies because the bees are pollinating with the local, like in, if you go to a certain area or, or if you move, if you have like the honey that can help, is that any truth to all that stuff? There, I've had so many testimonies about that, how the honey is helping with their allergies. The biggest thing is all our honey is raw, unfiltered. So it's not pasteurized to 170. It's not microfiltered where we're taking out all the pollen. So pretty much the way it comes out of the hive is the way you're getting it from us. Yep. Some honey have more pollen in them, depending on what time of the year. Some Times that pollen is in a dearth where there's nothing coming in. So if you're getting some of that nectar, honey, you're not going to get the pollen benefits. So you're going to want to have honey from the time that it was collected and harvested where the most pollen was coming in. And your beekeeper should know that. He can tell you which honey is going to provide you the most benefits as far as pollen for seasonal allergies. Gotcha. So there is some truth to it. Oh, uh, very much so. I mean, I have people coming back. I need this. My allergies are acting up. So it's working. 
<laughs> I love so you got to buy local, unfiltered, unpasteurized honey during high pollen season. And yeah. that's going to get your best bang for your buck. That's going to get the best bang for your buck. The biggest thing I tell people, get it from a beekeeper. Make sure you do your research on that beekeeper. Make sure he's the real deal. Because there's a lot of resellers out here that'll buy from Mexico, Argentina, put it in a bottle and call it local. So do your research about your beekeeper and your beekeeper is going to actually know which honey you need for those seasonal allergies. Wow. So then that kind of brings you into your next part. So we got some of this amazing beard balm and beard oil and stuff like that. And, you know, off air, you were telling us a little bit about the, the, the process and how this is a little bit of a byproduct that you've managed to turn into another business. So tell us more about the Perfect Man Club. When we harvest the honey, we shave off the wax cappings so that we can expose the comb to run it through our extractor. Yeah. And from there, we separate the honey from the beeswax. And that beeswax can be rendered down and made into different products, lotions, soap, uh, lip balm. You know, it goes on and on. Some of the older generations use it to thread needles. It's good for waxing wood, you know. With your boots, it's made in your boot wax, you know. So I've had a surplus of that. And I, I used to sell it to, well, now my business partner, Jana, I was selling it to her because she was making a bunch of soap. And then I approached her about making a men's line, strictly men's, where we would offer a men's product, soap, beard balm, which takes the wax. And it just took off. The Perfect Men Club is the name of that one. Love it. That's- and it's it's the beard oil. It's the soap. Yeah. We got the the soap. The beard balm, which use the wax, the Got beard oil um, is strictly oils that will condition your skin and kind of help with the coarseness. And then we've experimented and, and still trying to bring back our like a hand salve. Nice. We also make a shave puck for the guys that that like to shave. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> the opposite of the yeah. beard pub. Well, it's it's funny. Me and my wife, we have goats, so we're thinking about maybe dabbling in soap. And there's just a whole bunch of different variations and ways to do it, and it's pretty yeah. pretty neat. Whether you're doing a hot process or cold process, yeah, right. Yep. Wow, this is and it's good smelling stuff. I mean, this stuff is oh, on, yeah. the, the beard bomb is on. <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate yeah, oh yeah. Kinda, we've kind of gotten away from the original logo, but the original logo, I kind of brought in the beekeeping part of it with the pipe being the smoker and the bees surrounding in the hexagon. But yeah, I've, I've tried to incorporate everything I do into beekeeping. So this is a, another question that I, that I keep on hearing from a lot of people is, is, is the bee population actually getting smaller? There is such thing as a colony collapse disorder where you go to visit your hive and there's no bees there. I tend to think it's more human error than it is the bees just picking up and leaving, monocropping being one of them. So that's why I'm kind of shy away from, from pollination. You know, bees weren't meant to be on a truck for three days and, and pollinating only one thing. You know, back in the days, they would go to citrus and move on to the next bloom, move on to the next. And it's all in one location and you can't yeah. find, you can't find that anymore. So kind of man's doing pesticides and, and other stuff play a big part in that. So 
you as a beekeeper, you got to find the most natural way to treat your hive and, and the best way to do and go about that. Well, it was, it was interesting that you said that because I actually watched when me and my wife were in the process of doing the whole farm and figuring that out. We watched a, a movie called The Biggest Little Farm. And I don't know if you caught it, but essentially it's creating a, a whole ecosystem instead of these monocropping farms. And I guess mm-hmm. California is like known for having these massive acreages of just egg lake facilities. And then it'll be all avocados. And, and what would happen is they couldn't support that whole ecosystem from bees to snakes, pigs, everything, right? So we watched this whole video and it was, it was pretty interesting on how they took this one farm, this one piece of property, and over the course of seven years was able to create it into a self-sustained ecosystem from bees to birds to all of that. And it kind of plays into what you're saying is, is it, it went back to the way things were versus yeah. trying to force something for mass production. Yeah. And I'm pretty sure they're thriving big time. Yeah. Yeah. And that, that was kind of the thesis for, for us. And we want to try to do that in some way, shape or form. I know we're not going to be able to do it to, to the scale that they did it, but it was, it was definitely, definitely actually worth watching to be honest with you. I'll have to check that out. Yeah. That was out of California. Oh, so that farm is based in California? Yeah, yeah. Well, that's a that's a pretty cool experiment. <laughs> yeah, it was. It was hard to get like essentially back to nature. To you know, every time something happened, every time they did something, it had an effect. So, like the coyotes would come in and eat their chickens, but then there's a natural deterrent for the coyotes. So there was always a check and balance. Uh-huh. But getting your farm back to you know a natural state was kind of the hardest part of their journey. And it took seven years and, and a whole bunch of stuff. But once they did, now it's a self-sustained ecosystem. Awesome. So, but yeah, enough about the, the nerding, the nerding <laughs> farmer. <laughs> so Mike's father's dad always said, you take care of the bees, the bees will take care of you. And it's, it's, it's really that simple, you know, yeah. they're going to do for you if you're going to do for them. So what do you like to do other than beekeeping? You know, when it's time to unwind, time to, time to chill out and, and put your feet up, what, what, do you, what are some of the hobbies, sports? What do you like to get into? Well, I, I love to cook, whether it's grilling, smoking, baking. It's funny because Sean and I, my business partner, started slanging tacos outside a bar before we even became partners in beekeeping. So That's yeah, awesome. we were... We wanted to call ourselves either the taco boys or beans and rice. Cause, but yeah, I, I love to cook. I make sure that I'm home for dinner every night, whether it's I have to run back out after work. I just, I want to be here for my family, eat and ask them about their days before I, I head back out to work. So that's a big part of, and time can get away from you as a beekeeper. You know, you need 26 hours in the day and you only have 20. <laughs> gotta, it's, it's work-life balance, you know. That's a that's a big thing in this trade. You got to find time for everyone. Yeah, that's kind of what the Northeast is missing up here is some tacos. Uh, we don't <laughs> really have the, the best tacos up here. And and you guys have taco trucks. It's like tacos on every corner. I, I yeah. miss it. I mean, this is pretty much the end of the show. But before we go, I want to give you a little bit of time to plug something, most likely your product and, and your honey. and you know, tell people where they can find it. If they want to know more about beekeeping, what are some of the resources that you have out there or point them in the direction of? If you're looking to get into bees, 
basically go on Facebook, look at all your local beekeeping groups, join that and, and go from there. They typically hold meetings where you can go and ask questions to find Find me or any of my honey products. It's thehoneymancan.com. And if you're going to follow us, and I appreciate your follow if you're going to at I say bees, I S A B E B Z, then that's any handle you can find us at there. And then there's the Perfect Man Club if you want to look at some of our products there, perfectmanclub.com. Yeah, I would suggest awesome. that it's good stuff. Good stuff. It's good, good stuff. Definitely worth trying. Awesome. This has been great. This is an eye-opener for a completely new world for me, Jeremy. I didn't realize how much you knew about this stuff. Jesus, you were like <laughs> asking questions and stuff. Well, I appreciate you guys uh, reached out and talked to me, and I enjoy yeah. your product already, man. Yeah. You're a customer for life with me. Uh, awesome. Love that. Love that. And love those videos of the queen, the queens you had on our boots. I saw that. I was like, holy shit. I was like, how the heck is he doing this? Um, yeah. That was well, awesome. That was- that was kind of staged. I actually put her on my boots so she can walk around, but yeah. I, it makes for good content. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. We, we got to see if we can team up to do a boot wax. Oh, yeah. For some reason, I thought that you guys already had one. We do. We have a, a mix. We have a beeswax mix with uh, it's part beeswax, part mink oil. So mink it's kind oil. of a concoction. Usually people do just a pure beeswax or a pure oh. mink oil. And we have a concoction, but no, we'd love to experiment and see what we can come up with and test it. Yeah, we got a ton I mean, of boots to test it on. So that'd be awesome. I can send you a block of wax. You guys can go from there. Yeah. Yeah. We got to <laughs> yeah. do that. That would be sick. <laughs> Dive into the life cycle of a bee. That's pretty interesting too. So. Oh yeah. <laughs> Would love that. Would love that. All right, fellas. Thanks, man. 